the Ginger Thread Podcast, presented by Branded Sports, hosted by Walsh and Kelsey. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Ginger Thread Podcast presented by Branded Sports. It is your favorite duo, Walsh and Kelsey, and we have our first reoccurring guest. He's been begging to come back on the show since the last time, and, you know, he's finally – we finally were able to squeeze him into the calendar. It was a tough squeeze, but we got him. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Bill Clement is back on his favorite podcast. You know, I, I'm so honored that you were able to find a sliver of opportunity for me to squeeze into. You you, you didn't have to do that for me, but since you have, uh, you're the best ever. Yeah, we appreciate it. You know, we're we're getting popular now, so we're we're figuring. Hey, we gotta you know can't forget where we came from. We gotta have the people that have been there since the beginning. You were one of them. We had you on a couple a uh, couple months back. So how you been? Can I, can I tell you something? I've been good, but. You know, when I go on a rant about modern day athletes, and I hardly ever have to do this about hockey players, okay? But when I go on a rant of about what I don't like about high priced athletes, uh, and there aren't many things they everybody works hard for their money, all of that good stuff, and hockey players are as connected and grounded and down to earth. I have a problem with people who have forgotten where they came from, and that's what you just just mentioned. Um, I don't care if you're a billionaire. I don't care if you've won 48 World Series and Stanley Cups and whatever. Where did you come from? And don't forget that. Now, if you were born to a billionaire family, then that's where you came from. And you can act like an idiot all the time if you want. Right. <laughs> but, but most of the guys, you know, most people, they came from humble beginnings. So you've accomplished something. You've done something. Just don't forget where you came from and continue. I'm sorry. I'm, no, you're good. You can butt in anytime you want. Said we're okay. happy to have you on. Um, okay. But yeah, we last time we talked, we talked a lot of flyers, which we'll get to that again. You know, we'll, we'll mention them a little bit. They, not too much has been up to, you know, off season right now. Um, there is some other NHL news, but you know, we wanted to have you on here because we don't want to be the typical podcast. Hey, Bill Clement, who are you? What did you do? No, we want to have you on because we wanted to get to know the person, Bill Clement, not the hockey player, not the hockey analyst, Bill Clement. We want to know the real life Bill Clement. Well, just for the record, you know, I'm talking about not for, for, not forgetting where you came from. You don't have enough time on your show to cover everything that I've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we have to have you back on a few times. We'll, we'll okay. get to it eventually, you know. <laughs> That'll work. That'll work. Fire away. Go for it. So, yeah, we're just going to, like I said, random questions, whatever we've been thinking off the top of our head. Um, so I am – It's we're in the fall season, and usually hockey's starting up back now. I hate Halloween. So my question to you, what's your, your all-time favorite season? Are you just afraid of that little clown doll coming out? Like, yeah. 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 Listen, is. I had a lot of nightmares as a kid. <laughs> not happy about it. It still affected me. Well, for, before I uh, – what was your question? It had nothing to do with Halloween. Kelsey, are you afraid of Halloween? I am not. I love Halloween. I love the fall. Keith, on the other hand, hates the fall. Well, yeah. no. He doesn't hate the fall. He hates Halloween. But Why, though? Why? I, listen, so I don't – I hate Halloween. Halloween is <laughs> my least favorite holiday. 
I just I get I never liked it, even as a Why? kid. I just I don't know. I never was big into it. I hate, I don't like the idea of being scared. Um, I just I don't understand it. Like even when I was younger, I I dressed up, you know, when I didn't know any better. Yeah. But then once I got to like you know sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and, and on, I was just like, I don't care for Halloween. I really don't. Yeah. So my favorite season is the fall. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been our view from our home here in the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. We look over across the valley at, at beautiful mountains. The display of colors is as vibrant as I've ever seen. And it's because all the rain we've had down here. So I like the temperature change. Uh, for me, it always meant the, you know, getting over with the summer and starting really getting into the meat of the hockey season. Because by the time you get to like end of October, you're into it. Right. right? So I love that. Um, and I, I, you can see farther when the leaves are off the trees. I mean, they yeah, don't block your view. But I, I can tell you, the, the other season that I that I loved, not so much a season, but it was temperature changes. Whether I played in Atlanta or Calgary or Philadelphia or Washington, of course, Washington would make the playoffs back then. But as the weather started to change and get warmer, you knew you were making the playoffs and you knew that you were going to start to play on a whole different level. So I love the spring slash summer, like April, you know, yeah. getting like the early April, getting into to, to May, because that was the transition. And I always associated with the change in temperature to warm to hot with, OK, here we go. Playoffs are on. So those are my two favorite times of year. That's fair. See, I, I'm I like the spring and I like I love winter. I just I love the cold. I love the snow. I love it. Now, we haven't been getting much snow, but, you know. That's besides the point. I love Christmas time. I consider yep. Thanksgiving more winter than I do fall, but Kelsey will argue me on me on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like winter. Uh, my first year, and I grew up uh, about, I grew up in Quebec in a little paper mill town called Thurso, home of Guy Lafleur, uh, you know, Hall of Famer. Yeah. I always jokingly said, oh, you're from the same town as Guy Lafleur. And I'd always say, yeah, Guy's the other guy from, from Thurso, Quebec. Uh, but I, I was really the other guy from Thurso. But I, I grew up, I guess, about 210 or 20 miles from Quebec City. And that's where I played my first year of pro in the American League. And that year we had 14 feet of snow that fell, which is that's this much compared to what Buffalo gets. Right. right. But 14 feet of snow seemed like a lot because I spent all my signing bonus, which is five grand, on a Plymouth Roadrunner with G6015 tires that were that wide, summer tires, a pistol grip shifter, the whole works. And I never bothered getting winter tires, snow tires that, that year. So I really learned how to drive with my car going all the time. Uh, so I like winter. It's just that I should have gotten snow tires back then. I should have. It happens. Yeah. So since hockey is not happening right now, what are you watching? Are you binging anything on Netflix? Are you a Hamilton guy? Nah, uh, we'll watch some Hamilton. We like my wife and I binge so much. We'd never watched Breaking Bad. So we got into that and just blew through it. We started watching a series called Longmire. And it's one of our all-time favorites. There are five or six others that we've sort of gotten out of the binging a little bit now. I don't know if we've gone through the, the best ones, but but with the weather changing in the fall here, um, see, I, I increase my view by getting a tree monkey to come in. This guy 
climbs way up like 150 feet in trees and cuts the tops off of them. And my deal with the 60 acres beside me is I'll clean everything up, put it in piles, and I'll burn the heck out of it. I think I'm a pyro, okay? (laughs) I get these three huge burn piles, not branches. Some Some of the logs are that big in the pile. So that's what I'm concentrating on right now is burning those burn piles. And I love that. I love that stuff. My chainsaw is my best friend. I'm an outdoors guy from the get-go, and um, with the weather being fall weather and the colors the way they are, and our weather's been beautiful, I'm outside a lot, so not binging that much on anything. I, we did watch a two-episode series called The Biggest Little Farm. Have you ever heard of that? I've not heard of that, no. It's really well done, really well done. And my wife's going to kill me for not remembering a couple of other ones that we watched. Uh, Killing Eve. Are you familiar with that at all? Are these uh, all Netflix ones? Well, Hulu, Netflix, you know, whatever. What I've come to realize, guys, since I've been watching um, and binging on on different series, there are so many wonderful producers, directors, writers, and actors in our universe that never would have gotten a look, right? Mm -hmm. If all of these alternative outlets for series and, 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 and movies, film hadn't come out. So I'm just, I'm so happy for my, our daughter is uh, an actress and everything's ground to a halt for the last year in London, England. And I met my wife, Sissy on an audition for, we were full-time actors. So uh, anytime I see, you know, young actors doing really well and I go, oh man, they're so good. Um, I love that. I love the fact that there are different opportunities, you know, I wish there were 100 hockey leagues and 100 professional football leagues in the world because there are a lot of athletes that never make it. Yeah, absolutely. Seeing a lot of that with uh, our Eagles, you know, guys that were being called up from the practice squad and just all of a sudden, you know, becoming stars. <laughs> I had a heart attack on the weekend. I binge on Eagles. When the Eagles were on, I got the NFL package and I watched the Eagles. Yep. And I, I had completely lost faith in Carson Wentz. And then the last game and a half like oh wow wait a minute I don't think he reads defenses all that well but man does he compete and they were so banged up and they still find ways to win you know so they're going to win the division crazy as that sounds I believe they're going to win the division there you go heard it here first Bill Clement says Eagles win the division I'm on board Kelsey not so much so this is the problem we have here Kelsey's a Cowboys fan oh behave I know I know listen I I'm not happy about it. Oh, um, the hive. Especially this hive. Well, <laughs> it, so, happens. it happens. Yeah, I know. I know. You're not alone in the Delaware Valley either. Exactly. Uh, there's too many of them around. We got to get rid of We got to ship them back down to Dallas. You know? But here's the deal. Before the Eagles resurged, the Cowboys were America's team, right? Yeah. It was the Steelers a couple of decades ago or whenever. But the Dallas Cowboys became America's team. And unfortunately, there are some really short-sighted, disillusioned Americans that latch. I'm not, I'm not talking about you, Kels. No, I'm no, not talking about you. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Um, all right. So let's see. Going off the Netflix thing, are you big, like, uh, have you watched a lot of their documentaries? All? Like, did you watch Tiger King? Oh, yeah. What would you think of Joe Exotic? Um, like the train wreck you couldn't turn away from, <laughs> right? I mean, um, I would say so many layers 
of behavioral issues that you go, whoa, is this guy real? And then what's her name? The, who's the woman that was on Dancing with the Stars? The, Carol Baskins. Yep. Yes. I still think she did it. I was going to say, oh, do you believe she killed her husband? Yes. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I don't believe Joe Exotic should be out of prison, but I believe she killed her husband. Yeah. I think they should all be locked up, honestly. I mean, it was very entertaining of a documentary, but my goodness, I, my mind was just thrown but for a spin. The, the great epiphany was the trafficking and the ownership of big exotic cats, right? Of jungle yeah. cats in our country. And I went, really? But then again, it goes on with reptiles, snakes, you know, gators, whatever. And you go, what is this preoccupation people have? I don't get that. I mean, I like, I like a hangover, you know, and when, when uh, the tiger appeared in, uh, in one of the scenes. In the bathroom, right? yeah. Yeah. Mike Tyson's tiger. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tyson's tiger. Of all the people you would expect to have a tiger, Mike Tyson, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that, that was an eye-opener for me. But I I loved I loved Tiger King. I was glued to it all the time. I thought it was well shot, well done, well edited. And I wonder what happened to the, the guy that put it together, because he was featured at the end of it, right? Yeah. The producer. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's still alive, but they're supposed to, I mean, they have done or they are doing the young life of Joe Exotic, right? I, yeah, I think I heard something about that. They're doing that. And then they're also doing like a ghost, uh, like a goat, like people that sense ghosts is, um, to his uh, zoo to see like what they feel and like the supernatural on his property, which should be that, interesting. That's where I might tune out. When I came down to my office, my wife was watching this medium on her, on her phone telling, uh, who the heck was it? Uh, Drew Barrymore about, you know, anyway, you probably lose me there, you know, when the psychics get involved. Um, I think there's a way you can lead people to conclusions and to epiphanies and stuff like that without being a real psychic. Not that I disbelieve in psychics. Mm -hmm. When they start making TV shows and they're making a bunch of money and they're really good at it, I don't know. I just watched something else. It makes else. you think. <laughs> it definitely <Yeah>. makes you think. <laughs> yeah, it makes you think. I, I, you know what we watch a lot of? We watch tons of uh, Northwoods Law, Alaska, all of the survival shows, all of the outdoor the, the outdoor Alaska. We love nature. We love uh, those kinds of shows with, where people are forced to survive and, you know, and fish through four feet of ice you know, to get a fish to live in the winter and shoot a moose and stuff like that. We just kind of like stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's big out there. Like you know, I don't know. <laughs> a little bit. So obviously watching movies makes you hungry. So what is like your go-to snack, munchy food that you love, junk food? Wow. I like so much food. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, if somebody – you serve me a, a plate of – like a bowl of, of peanuts or a bowl of grapes or um, we love Mexican. We love sashimi, love sushi, um, love Italian, love. There's nothing more than I like than a, a, than a big ribeye on the, on the grill with a baked potato. And here's how you do the baked potato, okay? Anybody that puts foil around their baked potato, I'm sorry, they're way outdated. What you do is you take the baked potato, you roll it in olive oil 
right? And then you take sea salt, coarse sea salt, sprinkle it all over the potato, set it in the oven, just like that. And when it comes out, the skin is baked, so you have to kind of cut through it, but it is so delicious. So, yeah, I mean, we we love it all. I can't say that there's one thing I binge on. I'll, I will say this. If there's ice cream in the freezer, I will eat it. So I've told my wife so many times, stop buying ice cream because I just eat it. And when I eat it, I, when I got on the scales, I was 215 the other day. I've never been above 207 my whole life. And I went, now other people weigh more than me, whatever. But we all live in our own um, restrictive measurement you know, world, right, where I want to be this. So, and I was my whole career. I, I weighed 200, I turned pro at 187 pounds and I retired at 202. So you, you, you gain about a pound a year, you know, as you get older and older and older. And um, so ice cream is the, the no, no in the freezer. Do not, do not put ice cream in the freezer. All right. So ice cream's your go-to. Now for me, I don't know if you've seen any, which I'm uh, probably not. Cause I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I do wing reviews. So you know the guy from Barstool does the pizza review? Yeah. I do Walsh's wing reviews. Love wings. So that's my that's my thing. Wings, I can eat them every day for the rest of my life and be content with. Me too. I and uh, bar- barbecue down here, you get all you get South Carolina barbecue, there are three styles. North Carolina barbecue, three styles. Buffalo wings, right? Nuclear, uh super hot, hot. I, I, I'm not sure I could do that many nuclear, but I like hot. Um, mm-hmm. But I've, I've started to really enjoy uh, naked wings, right, that are, that are baked and with just some spicing on the outside of them. But I, I could eat chicken all the time. And one of the things that, I, that I've – I'm a peasant cook, all right? I'm not a chef or anything that does French sauces and that. But you give me a, a, a chicken or a roast pork or beef – and I know how to cook it at slow heat. I sear them all first, put them in a crock pot or, or low heat with carrots, potatoes with them. I make gravy all the time, pork gravy, beef gravy. My mom taught me how to make gravy. We do mashed potatoes with garlic in, in, the, in the mashed potatoes and either carrots that are roasted in the crock pot or uh, on the stovetop, you know, broccoli, cauliflower, whatever. Like, like, I don't know, I call it peasant food, but it's probably a not being very polite to peasants, but those kinds of, of old school hearty meals, I'm really good at. I, I do a lot of that cooking and I got to go. There's one in the oven right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. So that was pretty much cooking time with, with Mr. Clement here. Um, so now let's, let's, I, I said we would touch on hockey a little bit and I okay. be reminiscent not to say anything or mention your good buddy, Doc Emmerich officially hanging up the headset yep um it stinks i i mean he's probably one of my all-time favorites and he's going to be missed so much hearing the stanley cup playoffs without him is just not going to be the same um i'm assuming you, you kind of caught up with him and you know what's 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 his next step what's he just going to ride off into the sunset pretty much uh i guess i i have I've avoided calling him until his phone stops ringing for a while, but he sent me a copy of his book that he just released with the most, uh, the beautiful inscription in the front about so many of the things that we went through and did. And he told me where they were in each page, you know, in the book. Um, so I'm going to, it's funny. 
Look what I wrote on my desk today. <laughs> but I wanted to give him a week. I want to give him a week. He's been doing so many interviews. I've been doing interviews about him. Mm-hmm. Um, look, he's, I don't know how old, I think Doc's 73 now or 74. And at, at some point, it kind of starts eating you up. And I know because I'm feeling that. I'm going to be 70 in December. The travel, the hotels, calling the games is always the the adrenaline, right? That That's what it's all about for a color analyst or for a, a play-by-play guy. And at some point, everything else kind of gets to be really deafening noise and a lot of work and getting to the airports, getting on planes, getting off planes, taking an Uber to a hotel, checking into the hotel, you know, sleeping, going to the morning skate the next day, going to the game, either, you know, Ubering back to the airport, that stuff at a certain age is that's the adrenaline rush too, right? Hey, I I made it here. I go. Uh, But at some point for, for most people, it's, you know, this isn't as attractive as it used to be, but I think if doc could be, I I don't know, I haven't talked to him yet. So I won't put words in his mouth, but from where I said, if somebody could just drop me into the seat and let me call games with my prep and everything already done, without having to really grind out the travel and everything. And I live in North Carolina now. So whenever the, wherever the flyers are, is a, a plane ride or two for me to get there. Um, I will, let me just say this about Doc. It's funny, I got a text from uh, a former ESPN employee that I worked with and he, and he was listening to a podcast that Doc did and uh, an interview and Doc was talking about me as his partner. And I had said this about him too. But we kind of started in the major leagues together. And Doc said, uh, Duke, which was my nickname. I had different nicknames and different stops. He said, he taught me how to laugh on the air. And I remember that. I remember uh, talking to Doc and t- having philosophical conversations about what we do and saying, you know what? It, it's We're reporting on live sporting events, but it's also entertainment. And we're allowed to enjoy ourselves, Right. As long as we don't become the show or take away from the game, we're allowed to have fun and to laugh on the air. So I would, once I knew that I could tickle Doc and crack him up a little bit, I started to do that on the air. And I'd forgotten, I'd never thought that Doc said, you know, he taught me how to laugh on the air. Um, But we built such a uh, rapport that we were like a hand in glove. We worked together for seven years. Mm. And, um, I will. I, will, I just want to say this about Doc. I have never met anybody. I met some people that didn't like his call that much. That's that's somebody's opinion, right? I've never met anybody that did not respect him as a man, as somebody with great work ethic, as somebody dedicated to his uh, career and his profession. And that, to me, is the the legacy. If if you can say. That, and Doc would never say this, so I can say it for him. But if you could say, every person that I've met respects what I do. And there aren't many people that could say that, and few people would about themselves, but that's the case with Doc. I've never met a, a person that did not respect him as a human being. He's that great a guy. Yeah, I mean, that's all I've been seeing on social media is everyone just saying how great of a guy he is. And you yeah. know, I don't know him personally, but I mean, like I said, he's – going to be missed so much just because 
his atmosphere, like his voice just gives a whole different atmosphere to watching a hockey game. It doesn't matter yeah. what type of game it is, playoffs or not, his energy is just there and you feel it through your TV, through your speakers. And it just makes, to me, I, I loved watching games that he called, um, whether it was Flyers or not, because it was always just dialed in even more because yeah. of his energy and definitely going to be missed. So it yep. stinks, but I mean, hey, that's what happens. And uh, hopefully, you know, hoping for the best for him, you know, hopefully he's well, retired in life. Stupid. He never took a day off. He never took a minute off. Every time he opened his mouth, he was attempting to deliver a product that people were interested in watching and seeing with all of his passion, with all of his voice, with all of his energy, with all of his knowledge, with all of his articulation. I think, you know, you know why he's called Doc? Um, I think we touched on this last time, but it's it's losing my my mind. Though. Yeah, he has a he has a PhD in communication. Yeah, that's right. So he has a doctorate in communication. So that's why they call him Doc. But he's a brilliant person, and he's he's earned the right to retire. He worked really hard. He rode the buses in the International League when he got his start. You know, with um, that's that was like a ball, like you know, mm -hmm. a baseball below double A, and uh, just kept at it, kept at it always trying to excel, always trying to get better. I doubt that Doc would ever say he called a perfect game. And I know what that feels like. You always think you can do better. You always want to do better. And the next game, you're going to try to do better. And that was Doc, even though he's done almost 4,000 games. Every one, he tried to get better. Yeah, and I mean, he, he he didn't have much to get better at because he was incredible every time he, he was out there announcing yeah. the games. So and I, You know, the, the, one of the greatest memories of, that I have of working with Doc was not near the end. It was kind of in the middle or at the beginning. It was 1987, and it was that, the, you know, the, the epic Game 7 between the Islanders and the Washington Capitals. And it was the Easter epic because it was Easter Eve in Washington. And it was it's the longest Game 7 in the history of the NHL, and, and we called that. And we got kind of crazy between periods, and I took off my shirt and tied a tie around my head and stuff like that because we were, we were kind of punchy. And some people said – oh, yeah, they were just putting on some kind of stupid show. We wanted to try to let people know that we were getting punchy because what we were witnessing was like the Woodstock of hockey at that point, right? right. Nobody ever seen that. And it was so interesting that – and I, I, I realized after that, and I said to Doc, I said, you know what? That put us on the map. I still hear about tying a tie around my head with my – I had a, a, a white T-shirt on underneath, but – uh, I still hear about that. And I realize that, that you, you should never try to choreograph some kind of extravagant uh, performance. This just, it, we had, what people didn't know is we had no pre-produced video stuff between periods. We were filling, right, for like 18 minutes, us and the studio, and they had nothing. So right. they were throwing it back to us. So we decided to have some fun with it. But I realized, I said, you know what, Doc? We kind of got on the map with that. And I said, I realized that unless you're willing to step out onto a ledge, you will remain a slice of white bread on the sandwich of life forever. But if you want to be six grain or rye or pumpernickel or whatever on the sandwich of life, you have to step out on the ledge. And what was really interesting was we left nobody without an opinion. Our director of remote programming was a guy named Steve Bornstein. The next day in USA Today, he killed us in a Rudy Martsky column. He was a TV critic, 
mm-hmm. are killed by our own by our own boss. And I hugged him. Bill Grimes sent us a bottle of Dom Perignon, saying, "Congratulations! What a great show you guys did." But but then again, it's about stepping out on the ledge, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to go back and forth. You're going to have some people to say those guys were idiots, but at least they knew who you were, right? Yeah. And you have to be careful with stuff like that. And that's what I would always counsel young broadcasters, podcasters, whatever. When you sense an opportunity to go for it, go for it. That make yeah. any sense? Yeah. No, absolutely. That was great. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so, um, how do you feel about the Flyers' new? draft picks um is there a player you're looking forward to i know personally i'm really excited for wisdom i think his name is so cool and love his hair um but with all the new um the new class like what do you see them their potential uh so the flyers are one of the deepest teams with young talent coming along but because of the, you know, the Flyers drafted, they didn't draft till what, 21st, 23rd in mm-hmm. the first round. And that's okay. But there's so many guys lined up. That, I mean, there's a Morgan Frost, right, that's lined up ahead of somebody. There's a there's a second layer of guys that aren't even at the Flyers level that were drafted high mm-hmm. before this year's draft. So there's going to be a log jam there. So I don't expect any of the kids that were drafted to sort of make a splash. It's just too many people lined up ahead of them. But I will say this, the reason, like, I'm sure Flyers fans are waiting, we're waiting for Chuck Fletcher, you know, uh, free agent signing, big trade, you know, stuff like that. Like, it ain't broke. Don't try to fix it right away. And if you try to sign a free agent when you have no cap space, you're going to overpay for the free agent. I think... Chuck's going to try and work a deal for a right-hand shooting defenseman. Uh, I know they signed Eric Gustafson, who's a, a good player. He could be an Ivan Provorov partner. I really don't think Alain Vigneault wants to break up Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim because they're such a dynamic pair. But they got so many – There's, it's like a jigsaw puzzle with so many pieces that they can move all over the place. The Flyers yeah. are really looking good. And the thing that I like the best about the Flyers, given what's going to happen, which is going to be a compressed schedule, right? The NF, the NHL really wants to play an 82-game schedule. You better have two goalies that can stop pucks, right? I think I think the Flyers have that. Brian Elliott, I think, is he's, he's been an underrated player the last two seasons. Carter Hart is Carter Hart. Um, I like where the Flyers are right now. I really do. The bubble was a weird experience. I mean – so are the playoffs. I mean, Travis Konechny was counted on to do some critical things that never materialized. And as they started forward, they got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. When I look at the lineup that the Flyers have, uh, Igor Zamula on defense, they got they get players like knocking on the door. I like where the Flyers are. I think Chuck Fletcher is going to make a trade for a defenseman at some point. Um, I don't know when. The Flyers' advantage to me is you look at the young players, like uh, Nicholas Obey Kubel, uh, Travis Sanheim, Phil Ma- all of these players are going to be a year older. And right. that means a year more mature, a year stronger. They're all 19 to 23. So the Flyers' strength is going to is already here, right? You don't have to go and start signing people. Like somebody said to me the other day, what about Patrick Line of the Winnipeg Jets? You know, he got. Led the league in goal scoring one year. 
well, you better have a center that can pass to him. And you look at the, the guys. I mean, if you had a gifted goal scorer, Sean Couturier could play with him, but he'd be counted on to do more of that. Kevin Hayes is hard to play with. He hangs on to the puck so much. If you're a gifted goal scorer, you're waiting, you're waiting. You know, when am I going to get it? So there, there's so many variables to going out and making a trade for a guy like Patrick Line of the Winnipeg Jets. But you better be careful with that because you've got something good right now. If you try to go from good to great with one player and it doesn't work, you've gone from good to less good. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, as much as, I mean, Patrick Line is a he's superstar talent, pure goal scorer, which, yeah, I think the Flyers do need that. But I'm with you at the same time. I don't want to give up some Anyone. of the, the pieces yeah. that Winnipeg wants to get him. Like, I, I'm not trying to get rid of Travis Konechny or, or some of our young defensemen. As much as right. we may have the talent there, I'm okay with the team that we have. The Kelsey. biggest loss – yeah. Uh, continue that thought in a second, but Kelsey, would you trade Dak Prescott for Patrick Line? No. <laughs> oh, wrong answer. Very wrong. Well, answer. I mean, he, at least he has, he, has, he has an ankle. At least he has an ankle. So, you're good. You're good. I love it. Um, what I was going to say, I think our the biggest loss that we had was Niskanen retiring. I think that that's going to hurt a little bit. And that's why I'm hoping he makes a move for defensemen. Um, But I am also interested to see, and I don't know, maybe your thoughts on this too, Cam York, our first round pick from last year. I don't know that he, you know, is going to make the the team, but I think he could have a shot. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, if you're looking for a replacement for Matt Niskan and you're looking for a replacement to play with Ivan Provorov, mm-hmm. you can't play against the best lines in the NHL as a small rookie defenseman. Yeah, you absolutely. Can. So, I, you know, and then again, you've got Shane Gossespierre that has resurfaced, right? He got both of his knees done. He looked really good. So you, you've got Eric Gustafson. This sign, Sam Carcitti wrote an interesting article. They said basically what you've got is Shane Gossespierre 2.0. Yeah, I read all that. So where is that going to go, right? So, yeah, I mean, if I were a young player, defenseman drafted by the Flyers, uh, and I was a defenseman, I'd, I'd sit there and go, oh, no. Oh, my God. How am I going to crack this lineup, right? Because they got so many good young guys, but that all sorts itself out. You can't sign them all. You can't re-sign them all. Right. You know, you have to drive your stake into the ground. And Chuck Fletcher is a brilliant guy. He's a really smart guy. He learned from his dad, but he also, you know, he's got to, you know, anybody that graduates from Harvard with, a, you know, with a degree from Harvard is not a, a, a dumb guy. And he's uh, thoughtful and methodical, not impulsive. And you can't be in today's NHL. You make one bad move salary-wise, you better not back yourself into a corner with one of those six- or seven-year deals. Like those days, Chuck Fletcher will not sign guys to those deals. You know, the Flyers still have, what, close your roof another two, three years at 8.5 and Jake Voracek. Um, if they ever traded one of those guys, they'd have to eat some salary. But um, with all the young guys coming, I'm not sure that that's a stretch to, to actually envision that happening. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about that, <laughs> um, especially well, with I, with the cap crunch and everything 
coming up. Well, I mean, coming up, it's already happening. And then you got the expansion draft. Expansion. There's a lot of moving parts yeah. coming up over these next couple seasons. So it's definitely going to be well, interesting. Cool. But you know, the cool thing about the expansion draft is you're only going to lose one player. True. Right. right. And I guarantee you, Seattle's not going to pick up anybody making eight and a half million dollars, you know, that's 32 years old or 31 or whatever. But I love the way the expansion draft is set up. And I love what Vegas was able to do. When you're paying almost a half a billion dollars for a franchise, which still pales in comparison to what NFL teams had to pay. Right. If you could pay that much, if I'm the guy putting that kind of, you know, putting the green on the table, it's like, okay, we need a chance to compete right away. We're not going to be like the old expansion where for seven years you're dog meat at the bottom of the pile, right? And nobody, everybody's just crapping on you all the time. Forget that. You know, so I, I like the way it's set up. I think Seattle's, it's, it's been in the works for so many years. Seattle's such a natural. They needed somebody else out close to Vancouver, right? Mm-hmm. Another on the West Coast. I'm, and I don't know who the Flyers are going to lose in that draft, but they got enough players that if they lose one, It'll be a blip. I'm. I don't care who it is. It's going to be a blip. We got somebody to take his place. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it's going to be too drastic of a loss. Um, so, like I said, it'll be it'll be interesting how the next couple uh, seasons pan out, uh, especially yeah. this year with the upcoming condensed schedule that we're going to see. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we're parading down Broad Street come June. That's or July, yeah. August, whoever, whatever it is. Hopefully, that yeah. that's the end game here. That's where we want to be. So. I've seen Broad Street. I've seen Broad Street the way you want it to look, and it's really good looking. Yeah, that's listen. That's all I want. <laughs> listen, and yeah. then when Bill is in his own car, we'll we'll be screaming yeah. for you. You we'll shout us there. out. <laughs> we need a bodyguard. No, no. I'll be there for you. Yo, Kels, Kels, think yeah. in terms of my own float, uh, not my own car. <laughs> okay, your own float. <laughs> <laughs> no, only kidding. Look, we we learned our first cup parade. It was so scary. The second year there were floats, and I would I would I would love that. And I I don't think I would come near Philadelphia um, if the Flyers won again, because it would be all about them and not about the past. You know, I'm sure every Flyer would be invited to make appearances and get paid and do everything because. The city would be crazy, but um, anybody that really wants to respect the team that wins stays away, if you know what I mean. It's yeah, no. I, it's their time. Sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Like I said, hopefully we get to see that. Mr. Clement, thank you once again for coming on. We know, um, you know you're a busy man, and we were glad we could fit you in, you know, in, with our busy schedule. So, well – I, you know what, you, you you didn't interrupt me from my chainsaw and my burn piles that I have have out there, my pyro, you know, a predisposition, and I'm really not that busy. But I will, I'll, I must tell you this: I'm never coming on with you again if you call me Mr. Clement. All right, Bill. <laughs> okay, we got the deal then. Deal, I'm in. Okay, good. So thanks again. Appreciate you coming on, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Clement, former. Flyer, two-time Stanley Cup champion, current Flyers broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed this interview. 